Lifeline, my name is Luke, and we are on the third and final week of our series called How to Date. And tonight I wanna begin by asking a question, I'm curious. What is your strategy when it comes to questions you do not know the answer to? Like, let's talk about on a test first. You're on a test, you read a question, and you're like, I literally, it's not only that I don't know the answer, it's that I don't even understand the question. Like what answer they want me to put. Uh, if it's multiple choice, what do you do? Is it like, okay, I'm gonna make my best guess based on the information on A, B, C, and D? Or is it like team C? Like when I don't know, I circle C and that is 25% chance. Well, for me, I remember I took the ACT test. I will not be broadcasting my score because it's kind of sad. But uh, I took the ACT test and I was in the math section and I felt like I was rocking and rolling. I was surprising myself. I was uh, felt like I was ahead of the curve. And then the guy announced, you have five minutes left. And I was like, oh, all those feelings of confidence I had are just gone. They're out the window, actually. And so what I did was I was like, okay, I've been doing well. What I'm gonna do is I'm going to just look at it and give myself 10 seconds per question and just answer which one seems most right. And I'll tell you from experience, it did not work because they send you like your scores in each of the categories. They also tell you which ones you got wrong. They don't tell you like the right answers, but which ones you got wrong. Literally like the last 15, 18 questions of the math section in the ACT, all 100% wrong. Not 95% wrong, 100% wrong. Anyways, what is your strategy when it comes to unanswerable questions, impossible questions? Today, we are going to look at a question that I think many of us have uh, seen as impossible in our life. It's a question that at first glance, some of you might be like, oh, I know the answer to that. And others might be like, not only do I not know, but I felt in my life that I don't know the answer to that. And the question is this, how can a young person stay pure? I know it's a little weird and maybe sounds kind of churchy, but the question, how can a young person stay pure? Uh, how can someone who is, I would just say, not yet an adult or not yet like a mature adult, so we'll just say 21 and under, uh, how can they stay pure, stay free from sin, stay free from mistakes, stay free from regret, stay free from the patterns of uh making a mistake and making a mistake, making a mistake, going off the path that God has for them again and again and again. How can they stay pure? Now, the reason I think this question is impossible in today's day and age is uh, our culture is obsessed with sex. Like wherever you look, there's a celebration of sexuality. There's an obsession over being better looking or being hotter for Instagram or TikTok. And it's just, it's, it's everywhere. It's a battle that we actually, actually have to actively uh, face. And that's what can make this question so difficult is how can this young person stay pure? It's all around. But then another reason that this question feels impossible is just because of peer pressure. Like you may have friends in your life that everything they talk about, everything they joke about, everything that they seem to focus on has to do with uh, 
sexuality or even just things that are not pure. Like maybe it has nothing to do with sex and nothing to do with uh, who's hot and who isn't. But it's just like you leave feeling like, I don't feel like that conversation was helpful or I don't feel like pure is not the word I would use to describe it. See, this question goes beyond sexuality. Uh, what can a young person do to stay pure? It, it is about our entire lives. And tonight, I want to show you the answer to it. See, this question actually isn't even mine that I'm asking you, although I did ask it to you. I took it from uh, right in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 119, which begins with, how can a young person stay pure? At least the part we're going to look at tonight. And then the person who wrote the psalm actually lays out the answer to their question, uh, giving uh, amazing guidance and wisdom for, uh, that they experience in their life for figuring out how a young person can stay pure. Now, as we begin this conversation, I know there are some of you who feel this question like it's an answer you've been trying to figure out in your journey. Like, you make mistakes, you're carrying shame with you, you uh, feel like you can't answer this, and it's, dry, it's driven you nuts because you just want to live the life that God has for you, and you feel like you physically, you actually can't. And maybe you've written off your future, and you've just said, I'm going to deal with these struggles, and I'm going to make regrets just my entire life. Can I just say, I'm so glad that you're watching this. I'm so glad that you're listening to this because I really do think that by the end of this conversation, we will all have an answer that gives us hope, regardless of where we've been. So if you have your Bible, uh, open it like right to the middle of your Bible, Psalm uh, chapter 119, okay? So Psalm 119. And we will be in verse 9 down to verse 16. And this is where we'll find our answer. I, I, throughout us reading this, we'll see three things that we can do as young people to stay pure. Okay? So Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay pure? There's the question. And here's the answer. By obeying your word. This psalmist, this person that wrote this poem or this song, is talking to God. It's like a prayer. By obeying your word. And then he goes on. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you've given us. I've rejoiced in your laws as much as riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. I believe within these words is actually the answer to the question. How can a young person stay pure? And I want to show you three different things that I notice as I read these, okay? So the first way that we can stay pure, away from regret, away from the path that uh, might leave us disappointed in ourselves, is studying God's word. If I want to stay pure, study God's word. 
You see this throughout this entire psalm. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm obeying your word. I've recited all the regulations you've given us. I will study your commands. I'll reflect on your ways. This person has committed to studying God's word. And I think it's important for us as we have this conversation about how to stay pure today. One of the things we can do to stay pure is study this book. Study God's word. Get to know who God is. In fact, one of, the, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, it's in the New Testament, is Jesus when he's in the wilderness. See, when Jesus is in the wilderness, uh, Satan comes and tries to tempt him. Tries to tempt him to disobey God and to worship him and all these things. And every single time, Satan tempts Jesus. Jesus doesn't only use his words, but he quotes God's words. It's like God's word is a weapon against the powers of evil. It's like anytime uh, Jesus was given this opportunity to sin, he had, uh, he had God's word in his mind to go directly against those lies. And I just think this could be a powerful practice for you as you make this commitment to stay pure in your life, studying God's word, using it as a weapon against the lies that come up in, in your head and against those desires that you have that might be off track from the life that God has for you. So first one is study God's word. Second one, how, second answer, how can a young person stay pure? Speak God's praise. When I read through Psalm 119, uh, I see time and time again, this author is speaking of the goodness of God. He says this, he says, uh, I praise you, O Lord. He's praising God. And then he says, I rejoice in your law as much as riches. He, his, his, his attention, his focus is on who God is and how good God has been to him. Can I just say that we get distracted? We get in our own little worlds and we go from this thing to that thing to this thing to that thing. And it's so easy for temptation of any kind to creep into our lives. And what this author is saying is, I will praise you. I will, uh, I will rejoice in your laws as if their riches are greater than riches. It's like he's saying, my attention, my focus is on you. This practice in my own life has made a huge difference. When I begin each day by just thinking of the goodness of God, thinking of the ways that God has proven to be faithful, it makes the temptations, those desires I have to do wrong, and I have them, it makes them seem not quite as attractive. Because I'm like, I have all the fulfillment, I have all the joy, I have all the hope in a, 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 a relationship with Jesus, and that is what I can plant my life in. And so maybe this is a practice for you. Uh, not just studying God's word, but speaking God's praise. That will allow you some perspective to see that he is better than any of the temptations we face. Okay, third and final a way that we can stay pure from this psalm is this. Seek God first. And this is a, a huge one. The author says in verse 10, I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. 
He's saying, I've tr- I'm seeking you. I'm going after you. I'm pursuing you with everything I have. And can I just say in church culture, like if you've been going to church or maybe this is your first time uh, in a church building, it is so easy to get confused about what we're chasing or why we're running, rather. See, growing up, for me, I learned that it was good to do good things and bad to do bad things, just like probably all of you learned. Like, that was a good thing that you did, that was a bad thing that you did, don't do the bad thing, do more good things. And I started to attach my relationship with Jesus just by not doing bad things, by running away from the bad things. No bad words, no lying, no being angry at your sister, those things. And I thought, I'm following Jesus. I have a good relationship with God, so as long as I'm running away from the bad things. And I'll never forget the moment I learned what real life is, what we are called to, that we are called to seek God first. I was at a summer camp, and the, uh, the speaker was talking about what real life is. And he quoted this verse, and it's still my favorite verse to this day. It's John 10.10. He says, uh, this is Jesus talking, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I, this is Jesus talking, Jesus has come to give us life and life to the full. See, I learned in that moment that I wasn't made just to run from stuff. I wasn't made, I wasn't created by God just to uh, run away from sin and keep myself from doing bad things. But I was actually made to run to God. I was made to seek him and enjoy him and worship him. And when I do that, I experience life how it's meant to be lived. My friends, you were made for more than just running from something. You were made to run to God. And when you run to God, You will see that he is where the joy is, that in a relationship with him, he is where the peace is and where the hope is. And it's not just in running from sin, from those temptations, which is important, but it's in running to the only one who can really conquer sin, the only one who has the strength to uh, defeat sin once and for all, and that is God. You were made for more than just running from something. You were made to run to God. And so maybe in this moment, you just need to say, I'm going to, yes, I'm going to try to live the life that God has for me, but I'm going to pursue him. I'm going to seek him first. Instead of just trying to manage my own habits and sins, I'm going to celebrate God and his goodness and his love and his forgiveness. That is what you're created for. And so as we close this night in this series, I want to quote John 10.10 once more for you. This is Jesus talking. He says, The thief, the evil one, comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, you and I can stay pure by studying God's word, by speaking his praise, and by seeking him first. And when we seek him, we will see that we were made to run to him. And in him is goodness 
and love and life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that even when we make mistakes, you are patient with us. And sometimes our mistakes are bad habits and, and, and things that we're not proud of. And other times our mistakes are chasing the wrong thing. God, you're so gracious to us and loving towards us. And we celebrate that right now. And so God, if anyone right now is recognizing that they are not living life to the full, I ask that you would work in their heart to have a conversation with someone, to make a commitment to follow you and to pursue you with everything. And when they do, God, honor their faithfulness and use whatever means necessary to show them how good you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.